It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. Welcome to the special edition of the Adult in the Room podcast on the FBI raid of former President Donald Trump's home in Florida. I'll get to my interview with Mike Davis in just a moment, but let's just provide a little context before I go to the interview we wrapped up about an hour ago. One, the home of a former president has never been raided before in the history of our country. Two, President Trump is neither better nor worse than any other president we've had in our country before. I don't care what the media tells you. Three, Trump's evil genius stuff is a contrivance of the Democrats in both the political realm as well as the media. And we saw this when we got a look at the so-called evidence of Trump being a Russian secret agent. It was all confirmed when we discovered in court what we basically already knew, that it was Hillary Clinton oppo research that was made up using, ironically, just stand back and appreciate this, Russian sources, including a man who was believed at one point to be a Russian agent. I mean, how is that for irony? She used that to help make up this stuff about Donald Trump. And we know it's made up because Hillary Clinton's own campaign manager said it was. Okay, you just can't make it up. Number four, presidents have the right, indeed have the honor or the requirement uh, to classify and declassify documents on their own. They don't need anyone else's permission to do that. And they can do it in whatever manner they choose to do, which Trump did twice on the documents in question we believe in this case. And those documents are the Crossfire Hurricane FBI investigation and, you know, slash Mueller investigation into the Russian collusion hoax. That's what we think they were coming for. Trump had copies of those documents in his house at his skiff that he has in his house. Now, you've heard Mike Davis on the Adult in the Room podcast before. We've talked about constitutional things in prior episodes. You'll definitely want to go back and listen to those. He is a former Senate Judiciary Committee Chief Counsel for nominations. He has been a Supreme Court clerk under Justice Neil Gorsuch, and he's the founder and president of the Article 3 Project, aiding in selecting constitutional believing judges and Judges who believe in the rule of law. There are some out there who don't, you know, as you've probably detected. He has uh, constitutional expertise that is profound and desperately needed in these times of dis and misinformation in the media and mis and diseducation of our kids in schools on the issue of civics, the nature of our country, and what it means to be an individual in this country since the individual is at the center of the agreement that we have with the government. Mike Davis has been outspoken in his outrage about the lawlessness of this raid on Mar-a-Lago. Listen as he explains why on this special edition of the Adult in the Room podcast. Mike Davis is the president of the Article 3 Project, and has opined for 
since the jump, I think, that the Mar-a-Lago raid was illegal. Mike Davis, thanks so much for coming on the Adult in the Room podcast. Why was it illegal? Yeah, thank you for having me, Victoria. And the reason this raid was illegal, there are several reasons, actually. Number one, uh, it was illegal because there is there cannot be, as a matter of law, an Espionage Act violation or a Presidential Rack, uh, Records Act violation uh, or a, 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 an obstruction of investigations into those nine crimes as a matter of law. Those are the three crimes that are listed, potential crimes that are listed on the face of the warrant. Those, as a matter of law, those are impossible for a president of the United States to violate those as it relates to declassifying records and, and leaving the White House with records, and I'll explain. In 1988, the Supreme Court in United uh, in Department of Navy versus Egan uh, reaffirms our longstanding constitutional principle that the President of the United States, as the Commander in Chief, has the inherent constitutional authority and power to declassify anything he wants for any reason he wants, uh, and he doesn't have to explain his rationale to Congress or any bureaucrat who works for him. The Espionage Act is a statute that deals with classified records that applies to everyone else on the planet except for the president of the United States as it deals with classified records because he is the classifying authority as commander-in-chief under the Constitution. So when President Trump was leaving the White House, he declassified records and he didn't have to jump through the statute statutory hoops. He didn't have to jump through the regulations or the bureaucratic hoops. He can literally wave a magic wand and declassify anything he wants. He didn't wave a magic wand. He actually declassified these records, as you saw from a memo with Crossfire Hurricane on January 19th, uh, the day before he left office. He also says he has a standing order that when he took materials from the Oval Office, they're declassified. You have to remember that in 2012, President Obama got caught on a hot mic, March 2012, got caught on a hot mic with the president of Russia, our enemy, saying that Obama would have more negotiating room after the presidential election in 2012. That is highly classified information. And if it were anyone else other than the president or someone else authorized by the president to relay that information to the president of Russia, our enemy, they could be charged under the Espionage Act. But because President Obama was the president, he cannot be charged. He is the commander in chief. He cannot be charged. So that's number one, the espionage, that there is no way that President Trump could have violated the Espionage Act for the way he handled classified materials as president of the United States, um, including declassifying and taking records before he left. Number two, the Presidential Records Act. They're trying to say that President Trump uh, stole or mishandled government records. And when President, uh, there's something called the Presidential Records Act that was passed in the 1970s that made presidential records property of the government instead of property of the president. And so the the government property uh, goes to the National Archives, the bureaucrats at the National Archives categorize these records, and then they almost certainly give them back to the former president to put in his library, right? So... It's owned by the government, but essentially the former president controls it in his library. Well, th- that's a determination that the president of the United States makes, whether it's a presidential record that belongs to the government and is sent back to him, or if it's a personal record. And that was confirmed in a 2012 case by an Obama judge in the D.C. 
district court, Tom Fenton at Judicial Watch filed this lawsuit because Obama had these audio tapes from when he was uh, president and they were doc- uh, documenting, documenting his presidency. And so Tom Fenton sued and said that these are presidential records. The Obama judge said, nope, the, pre- the president of the United States had the sole statutory power to determine whether something is a presidential record or a personal record. Can so I ask, if can a, I interject here? Sure, um, sure. It, the question is, okay, so how come President Nixon then had to turn over his tapes from the Oval Office that he was uh, recording in order so that he could write his books when he left office? How come he had to turn those over? Well, because that was part of a criminal investigation. Whether it's a presidential record or a personal record, you can still you can still have records subject to a grand jury subpoena, right? Because they're they're uh, you know it doesn't mean that the grand jury owns those records. It just means the grand jury can subpoena those records for purposes of a criminal investigation. Okay. So that's why was, there was a subject to a criminal investigation. But that but the the grand jury can get presidential records. The grand jury can get personal records. That's that's a separate issue. So again. Not an Espionage Act violation because President Trump can declassify anything he wants and not destruction or theft or alteration of government property. Because when President Trump took a copy of of these uh, of these declassified records, he made them personal. So declassified personal. There goes the Espionage Act violation. There goes the, the violation related to government property. And I will note as an aside, the Presidential Record Act, Records Act doesn't even have a criminal component. So this is really a legal stretch that they're even pursuing this. And so the third charge that they were looking at is obstruction of these investigations. Well, how, as a matter of law, you could not obstruct investigations into non-crimes because the government doesn't have the authority to investigate these non-crimes, right? And so those are the three parts of the subpoena on its face why this is an awful raid uh, unlawful raid because this judge ordered an unlawful raid of a uh, uh, of non-crime so that's number one number two this judge bruce reinhardt down in west palm beach florida is clearly biased he had a 2017 facebook post where he personally criticized president trump's integrity right mm-hmm. so that is a an obvious bias or at a minimum it's an apparent bias and so under 28 USC 455A and Canon 2 and Canon 2A of the judicial canons, this judge must recuse from this case because there's an actual bias or an apparent bias, right? He, this judge recused from, from President Trump's civil lawsuit versus Hillary Clinton. He recused on June 22nd. So what changed mm-hmm. in the last seven or eight weeks to, to make Judge Reinhardt's obvious, clear, judicial bias go away? Why did he, why did Judge Reinhardt sign this unprecedented, unnecessary and unlawful home raid of a former president when he had this bias that he, even he recognized, he recused on June 22nd. And the third reason this home raid is illegal is it was, it was, uh, it was unnecessary. The, the, the President Trump was cooperating. A home raid is the last step that a judge should order. They should they should try to do other things before you go to the home raid. That's like the red line, the nuclear option, right? You, mm-hmm. you, the President Trump, every former president has an office of former president that's funded by the federal government. They get staff. They get attorneys as part of that staff. The, the staff and the former president get security clearances. They get office space federally funded, including secure office space or, or skips so they can look at classified materials. They get the president, former president has a diplomatic passport because he's still involved 
with sensitive missions for the governments. We still, we have secret service protection for the office space. These are paper records. They were guarded by the secret service. They have cameras, they have the bugging devices. This is not like Hillary Clinton's home server that was uh, that was that had some of our most classified material when she was Secretary of State. Raw data. That was that was yeah that was that was clearly hacked. That could or it could have been hacked. Probably hacked by foreign governments. This is pa- these are paper records that are that are in a Secret Service protected office of former president. So former former no- CIA acting director Mike Morrell told Hugh Hewitt they most certainly had been hacked. Yeah, Hillary Clinton's server was, yeah, I mean, by the Russians, the Chinese, and probably others. It was, I mean, obviously hacked, right? So, you know, so so you look there, the FBI didn't raid Hillary Clinton's home. They didn't even question her about her home server, right? And so- Till later. How do you, how do you, how do you send a a 30-person FBI brigade to go raid a former president? And remember, the attorney general, when he was in damage control- put out several lies. First of all, he put out a lie to Newsweek or his senior aides put out a lie to Newsweek that he did not personally approve the rate. That's a lie. He clearly lied about that. He clearly approved it. He had to admit it. And then he leaked out that he deliberated for weeks, four weeks to, uh, before he authorized this. Okay. So if Trump had these nuclear records, which is complete bogus because there's not Q classification on the inventory of records they got back. Right. So yeah, Trump, Trump had nuclear secrets, and uh, the Biden administration, like he broke into the nuclear football, stole the codes, the launch codes from the nuclear fo- football. The Biden administration didn't catch this for 18 months that Trump was gone with these nuclear secrets. They didn't change the codes. And then somehow Trump was going to like trick the people into thinking that it was Biden because you have to have the secretary of defense author or uh, verify any launch from the president. So Trump's going to launch from Mar-a-Lago, trick the <laughs> Biden secretary <laughs> trick the Biden Secretary of Defense into uh, uh, to verifying his authorized search, which is how the protocols work, and no one was going to catch this. Okay, so he had these rec- these nuclear records, which is bogus for eighteen months. Uh, they didn't they didn't catch it. They didn't say anything. Then Merrick Garland found out about these nuclear secrets, nuclear documents, and he deliberated for weeks. Mm-hmm. And then they they go to a uh, they go to a magistrate. They handpicked this magistrate. They judge, judge shot for this magistrate, apparently. And then they get this warrant, and they still wait three days to go get these nuclear records. It's just nonsense. And if you look at the inventory of the records they got, it shows the records that are top secret SCI, which means they're secure compartmented information, which are CIA records, or SAP, special access programs, which are Department of Defense records. Where are the Q-level cl- classifications, the Q records from the Department of Energy that would be nuclear secrets they're not on that inventory because trump didn't have them that's just made up to make the the raid look lot a lot more justified and urgent than it actually was this this was a political raid and if, if merrick garland had several weeks to de, to deliberate on this decision whether to order this unprecedented unnecessary and unlawful raid why didn't merrick garland go to the department of justice's office of legal counsel or olc which is essentially the the general counsel for the executive branch to get a legal opinion from OLC to to figure out whether what are the legal ramifications of this raid, whether it was legal or not. And I think because Merrick Garland knew that OLC would tell them what I'm telling you, which is the president, that this is an unlawful raid. The president has the absolute constitutional authority to declassify anything he wants. He has the absolute 
statutory authority to declare anything, any presidential record personal so he can take it with him. So if, if, again, declassified records, Trump makes a photocopy of it, takes a personal copy home. There's no violation there. There's no legal violation there. And these records are secure in Mar-a-Lago because he has federally funded office space, staff, secure facilities, Secret Service protection. They, what My theory is that if you look at item number two on that inventory, it shows a leather-bound uh, yeah. packet of documents. And I think those are the Crossfire Hurricane records that Trump declassified on January 19th before he left on the 20th. And uh, the bureaucrats at the in the in the executive branch did not make those public. Trump had his declassified personal copy of those records, and I think that Biden, the Biden, Obama, Hillary, and deep state regimes were very worried. They were terrified that Trump was going to make those public. I'm shocked he hadn't previously made them public. But let me just go back on one thing: they were copies of records, correct? Yeah, there so, are copies of records. So somebody else has the originals, right? Yes, of okay. course. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I'm just you, you wondering. Think, you, you think the president of the United States the, is the only person in the executive branch who has these records? That's just nonsense. They're, they're copies. Um, okay, so they're copies of records that the deep state already has and the executive branch already has, and yet they wanted the copies. Cash Patel says it's so they could expunge all records, all talk and uh, revelations about the chicanery that went on during Crossfire Hurricane from the record, the official record, forever and ever. Amen. You agree? That, that is the absolutely the most plausible explanation for this unnecessary, unlawful, unprecedented home raid of a former president who has security clearances and secret service protection. And why did they wait 18 months? Why did they wait 18 months to go get these records if they were if they were, you know, so sensitive to our national security, why did the national security division of the Justice Department go down there and inspect Trump's uh, records and say, oh, you just need to add another lock to this door? And they did. Right. right? Trump, has, Trump has cooperated. They went down there and realized, oh, damn, Trump actually has these records that we're worried about. And this is going to blow up uh, Obama, Hillary Biden, the deep state, this is going to blow up a lot of people. These records are very bad politically. We need to go get these records. And so that's what they did. This was a political raid on a political enemy. Cash Patel, the former DOD uh, chief of staff, as well as the, uh, the investigator, chief investigator into the Russia collusion hoax on behalf of the House Intelligence Committee, and also now is Trump's representative to NARA, the National Archives, says that there were 60% of the documents released already. But these 40%, even Trump seemed to have misgivings about them, possibly. Cash Patel said he was going to put them up on his own website. I wonder what the holdup is or was. And is there some cat? Is there something we're not seeing as to why those forty percent of the documents didn't come out? Well, I mean, they could have, you know, they could have sources and methods, and so maybe they would have to reduce the names of people who provided the intel. But I imagine that that item number two, that leather bound yep. document on the inventory, are these uh, Crossfire Hurricane documents, and I bet you they are damning, 
right? And maybe they were President Trump's political insurance policy and the yeah. Biden regime just went and uh, took his insurance policy. The uh, the magistrate who didn't like Trump said that he'd carefully reviewed the FBI sworn evidence and considered it to be reliable before he signed off on a search warrant. Bruce Reinhardt. So what do you make of that? He should not have made that decision. Under the statute, he has an actual or at a minimum, an apparent bias. Under 28 U.S.C. 455A, he absolutely is mandated by statute and Canon 2 and Canon 2A of the judicial canons to recuse. He doesn't make that decision. It doesn't matter if he subjectively does not think he has a bias. Objectively, Based upon the statute, based upon the judicial canons, he has an actual or at least an apparent bias. He has to recuse. Uh And this should be the subject of a motion that the Trump team should file. Hopefully today, it's a Rule 41G motion under the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure that it's a motion to retrieve property that was unlawfully taken by the government. And as part of that motion, you can lay out all of these issues. You can lay out the recusal issue. On Judge Reinhardt, you can lay out the fact you have the constitutional argument about declassification. You have the statutory argument about personal versus presidential records. You also have, as a matter of law, there can't be an obstruction here because you can't obstruct investigations into non-crimes, the non-espionage crime and the non-presidential records act crime or government property crime. Uh, and you also can make the legal argument that this raid under under the case law was unreasonable under the Fourth Amendment because it was it was unnecessary. Right. Mm-hmm. You could have the President Trump was cooperating. He, they could have. Look, the, the archives could have notified Congress. They could have filed a civil lawsuit. They could have issued a subpoena. There are many steps that they could have taken before they go to cross the red line before they do the nuclear pun intended option of the. Of the home rate. Oh, is, that, that's an it, excellent it, it point. It was unlawful. It was unlawful. A, a good point here. I'm glad you reminded me of the fact that the FBI's lawyers in court uh, before Judge Reinhardt just recently uh, from media appeals and judicial watch appeals to get these things released said that this raid occurred at the very beginnings or uh, they were in the early stages, quote unquote, of the investigation you know, I've been in the business for a long time. I'm not some lawyer and I'm, I'm not an investigator, but in every case I've ever heard of, the raid usually comes when they've figured out what they're, what they want to get out of the raid. And so they do that towards the end of an investigation. What do you believe is the actual timing here? I think it's at the beginning. I think they're terrified that Trump is going to release these declassified this declassified copy of his records, that personal copy, and I think that they know it's very politically damaging to uh, Obama, Hillary, Biden, the FBI, the deep state, and they had to go get these records. Remember, these are a copy of records. It's not like Trump had the only copy he was going to go, like, burn him in his fireplace or something. Right. Uh, You mean like Sandy Berger when he put him down his pants? Yeah, exactly. Or he was going to, or Trump was going to, like, release our nuclear codes to the to the North Koreans. I mean, this is this is clearly a political raid, and and they also I would I would say that they judge shopped here because again, Merrick Garland deliberated for weeks. Mm-hmm. They were deliberating for weeks, and then all of a sudden, they just happened to go find the magistrate judge in West Palm Beach, Florida, who is clearly biased against Trump to and they authorize. Do- 
they do it on a rotating basis, right? So they, yeah. the, the media had now been told that the judges or these magistrates, the baby judges come up on an, uh, you know, sort of an alternative, you know, they, 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 a rotation. And as Cash Patel has said, they can read the patterns of the rotation people. They no, it's, knew. It's, it's scheduled. They, they know he was on duty. Mm-hmm. Like he's on duty. It's, it's, I, I'd have to go back and look. I know that when I was a, a prosecutor uh, many years ago, back in 2006, uh, in the Eastern District of Virginia, that magistrate judges would have duty week, right? So you knew that that magistrate judge was having duty that week. And so they would wait for, you know, when I was there, the, the prosecutor, the, the, pro, the agents, the prosecutors, they would wait for Judge Buchanan for duty week on Judge Buchanan because she was the toughest magistrate. And we knew that she would order pretrial detention for these criminals, right? Or these, these suspected criminals so that the agents and the prosecutors would load up when Judge Buchanan had duty week. The same people who now have been elevated to even more powerful positions in the executive branch, including at the DOJ, Lisa Monaco and others, uh, these certain FBI guys who've decided that uh, the Hunter Biden laptop's disinformation, thus taking it off the uh, in- investigation list of things to do. These are the same people who are behind this effort. I don't know how you get rid of this internal bias against former President Trump unless you just like clean house. There needs to be a, a house cleaning. And I, and my former boss, Chuck Grassley, if Republicans win the Senate in January, he'll become the Senate Judiciary Committee chairman again. He, he has long uh, had problems with the FBI, decades long problems with the FBI, going back to Ruby Ridge. And what here's the problem with the FBI. The FBI, we tried to so-called depoliticize it by making the director subject to a 10-year term and no one else in the FBI is politically appointed and Senate confirmed, and una- they're, they're unaccountable. So you have an FBI with one presidentially appointed Senate confirmed director every 10 years. He thinks he's above the law. He doesn't think he has to report to anyone, including mm-hmm. the attorney general, the deputy attorney general, and especially not the president of the United States. So he thinks he's an entity unto himself. He has his own airplane, security detail entourage, and he's just a god inside of the FBI. And then there's the deep state below him. All these career people who tend to be Democrats, tend to be liberals, who burrow into these top jobs. What needs to happen is at the director level, the deputy director level, and the assistant director level, those all need to be presidentially appointed and Senate confirmed, right? So they need to be politically accountable, just like every other agency where you can hold them into Congress and you can grill them, right? Just like every other president, presidentially appointed Senate confirmed person. So the, the top three levels of the of the FBI, just like the top three levels of main justice, need to have presidentially appointed Senate confirmed people. And you can say, oh, you're going to politicize the FBI. It's already politicized. It's, yeah, already, no Democrat op- it's already Democrat operatives. At least every four to eight years when Republicans take the White House, they can clean house and take control of the place. You've said that the OLC, the Office of Legal Counsel, opinion should have been sought by Merrick Garland, who obviously thinks he's in charge of main justice because, well, he is. And um, he, he would not have gotten the answer that he wanted for the reasons you've stated. And yet Judge Reinhardt said, oh, yeah, it looks good. What what happened here? Judge Reinhardt is, an, uh, an, is clearly 
a, an anti-Trump judge. He had to recuse on June 22nd from President Trump's lawsuit against Hillary Clinton. He has this 2017 Facebook post in ta- attacking Trump's integrity. He should not be deciding this case. And of course, he's going to say, I didn't screw up here. That, I mean, think about who has a vested interest to make sure this affidavit doesn't get out. It's the Biden Justice Department and this judge who signed off on it, right? So mm-hmm. oh, exactly. what needs to happen? So what <laughs> needs to happen? The Trump team needs to file their Rule 41G motion under the Federal Rules of Criminal Procedure, and it goes to a real judge, an Article Three judge that's presidentially appointed, Senate-confirmed, instead of one of these Article One magistrate judges, one of these bozo partisan judges, and it goes to a, a real Article Three judge, and they can decide this case. It should the chief judge of the Southern District of Florida should take this case uh, herself or reassign it to a, a, another Article Three judge. And then what happens is uh, they can get these legal issues on the constitutionality of President Trump declassifying, on the statutory ability of President Trump to make these personal. You can get these decided right up front, and then if you have a district court judge decide it, then it goes up to the Eleventh Circuit for them to handle any appeal. And then the Supreme court has discretionary review, but you have much better, much fairer judges in the Southern district of Florida and the 11th circuit court of appeals than you do in the DC district court and the DC circuit that Obama stacked with left-wing hacks. My understanding is that this investigation came from Maine justice in DC or, and, uh, and not any Florida FBI folks. Um, does that have a, an impact on where this would be adjudicated? No, it would be this, this rule 41 G would be adjudicated from the court that, uh, issued the home raid. And that would be the Southern district district of Florida. So So there's no chicanery that could come up now and say, Oh, sorry. It has to be repatriated back to Maine justice. Sorry. Sucks to sucks for you to be in the DC, uh, jury pool and, uh, the, with these DC judges. No. And this is where the Biden justice department overstepped and Trump needs to take advantage of that overstep. And that way he can get these legal issues decided in the Southern district of Florida and the 11th circuit, rather than the DC district court and the DC circuit. Can he get his documents back legitimately? Do you honestly think Donald Trump will get back those, all of the documents that that the FBA, you do? Yes. He's absolutely 100% entitled to those documents under the law. Again, he declassified them, so they're not subject to the Espionage Act. And he uh, he made a copy of those records personal under the Presidential Records Act. So you have that uh, you have that night. Excuse me. You have that decision by the uh, this 1988 decision by the Supreme Court Department of the Navy versus Egan that dealt with the classification issue. And then you have that uh, 2000, I think it was 2012 decision by that Obama judge in the D.C. District Court that dealt with uh, Bill Clinton's tapes. As John Solomon at Just the News pointed out, it was the it was the Tom Fitton mm-hmm. and um, the uh, Judicial drawer. Watch lawsuit. Yeah, the Sotra one. Yeah. So under those two cases, Trump absolutely has clear legal authority that these are declassified records and he has a personal copy of them. He should absolutely get those back. So Bill Clinton gets back his documents from his sock drawer and we have no idea what the hell they were doing in Melania's under Lovely's drawer. What the, what was that about? Yeah, there, this is, this is part of a pattern 
of this Justice Department, of the deep state, really. Before it was, it started when Trump was running for office, they were spying on his campaign, they were spying on him as president, they came up with this Russian collusion nonsense, Trump's appointees in the Justice Department were too stupid to manage the Justice Department, and uh, now they're just, you know, you have Merrick Garland's Lisa Monaco, uh, the the Ken Polite, the head of the criminal division, Matt Olson, the head of the national security division, Chris Ray, these are all deep staters, right? And they're 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 leftist, and they want to. Chris Chris Ray is not a leftist. I just think he's a moron who lets the FBI run him instead of running the FBI. But the other ones are leftists, right? And they're, ta- they're this is part of a pattern of lawfare to take out President Trump because he is such a threat to them. He's such a threat to Washington, really. I mean, he wants to eliminate the deep state. He And you see this, they, he has the records in that leather-bound uh, book that he has, that he had at Mar-a-Lago, number two on the, the rate inventory list, that uh, the Crossfire Hurricane documents, those are damning documents, and they know it. That's the whole, that was why this raid happened. They probably took pictures of Melania's clothes, like they took pictures of Paul Manafort's ostrich suit. Yeah, I mean, this is, and remember this FBI team, look, now they're trying to, the, the Democrats are trying to say, if you criticize this raid, you're attacking the men and women, women of the FBI, nonsense. We are attacking the political leadership of the Justice Department and the FBI, FBI. The most, the the vast majority, almost all the men and women of the FBI are good people. And that, that is not an attack on them. But there are bad people in any organization. These are the the Democrats called the FBI the stormtroopers during the the BLM raids, and now they're pretending like they're defending, you know, the integrity of the linemen and women of the FBI. This has nothing to do with them. This is the politicized leadership of the FBI, and there's a special hit team in the FBI, this counterespionage uh, team on the FBI that works very closely with the counterespionage section at Maine Justice, the National Security Division, which is just rotten to the core, politicized and rotten to the core. And you have this special team that did the Russian collusion investigation is now this same unit that went down there and did this raid. Mm -hmm. You don't think that they have a vested interest in getting those documents? You don't think that the the Biden team uh, has a vested interest in getting these documents? They clearly implicate their boss, right? Mm -hmm. They, They implicate Obama, Hillary, Biden, the deep state, all of them. And by extension themselves. Yeah, exactly. Including this FBI team that did this raid. Do you foresee, last question, I know you're really busy, um, the someone suggesting that we have yet another church committee-like entity to look into this, or is that just a fool's errand? We'll get a big, thick report, which will do absolutely nothing to change things. Or do we subject them to, as you mentioned, the top three layers to... uh, the Senate confirmation, which do you think would be more effective? I would do both. And, and actually, if, if Chuck Grassley, my former boss, if Republicans take back the Senate and Chuck Grassley, my former boss, becomes the Judiciary Committee chairman again, he will absolutely get to the bottom of this. He is the best oversight investigator in the history of the Congress. He's done this for decades. He's the one who exposed uh, crossfire hurricanes, corruption, the the Russian collusion. He'll get to the bottom of this. He has the best oversight team on the planet, and they will absolutely figure this out, and then he will push reforms. What happened to Lindsey Graham being in charge of the Judiciary Committee? Did I miss that uh, insider political drama? This is very swampy, but so 
<clears throat> there are term limits for Republican senators to be the, the, the chairman when they're in the, the majority or the ranking uh. member when they're in the minority. And so Grassley was uh, a very adept at timing it so he can get he can make sure that he always has a chairmanship or a ranking member slot so he can keep his big oversight team, which is what he cares about. Ah, interesting. Well, so, that, that, so that they explains just, they it. Just, so, so Grassley will be the chairman in January if Republicans take back the Senate. Uh, Graham will be the ranking member if Republicans don't. Mike Davis, thank you so much for your insight and your expertise. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple podcast app every time you listen. And give me a great review. Plus, of course, subscribe to the podcast. It makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs. And it makes us easier to find. Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, mischief managed.